Welcome to the Get Transformed podcast, where we transform the journey of Jewish divorce from hellish to healing. We're your hosts. I'm Ali. And I'm David. And we've both personally navigated the challenges of divorce in the Jewish world. We started this podcast when we each found that while there's often a lot of community support and education for things like child rearing and marriage, there's a real gap of support for people in our community going through divorce. We're also both Jewish educators, coaches, and healers. So we're offering practical tools, perspectives, and real life examples from our own clients that will change your challenging experience of divorce into an opportunity to transform your life in powerful and beautiful ways. Join us as we delve into a new topic each week, answering real life questions and sharing parts of our journey with you all. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to our audience worldwide. Hello, Ellie. How's it going? Uh, Good. Yeah, nice to be back. Um, So we are going to pick up uh, again with an episode about, you know, something that's an inevitability when you're at the end of a relationship, uh, which is eventually you don't live together anymore. I know that there are a lot of people out there who um, maybe for financial reasons, are making that work, either being in the same space or separating a house up or all kinds of really incredibly creative solutions that I've seen. But today we're going to talk about living alone, moving out, and what that whole process and procedure looks like at some of the pitfalls. Um, Beautiful song by Billy Joel. <laughs> Which one? I'm moving out. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Yeah. I did not even know that song existed, but amazing. Um, okay, so I thought maybe we'll use the guideposts of like, you know, physical, emotional, psychological, spiritual as a way to sort of navigate us through this particular topic. So if we just look at the toughless, like meaning down to earth ex- experience of moving or setting up house. So there are a few ways this looks either during your divorce, you're selling the house, you sell the marital home. Um, both people get new places, in which case everybody's moving. And by the um, or, when we say get new places, we don't necessarily mean buy, it could be rent, it could be whatever it is, right? Obviously. Right. right. Um and then I would say number two, um, one person leaves the house and either rents or buys and the other person stays in the home. Um, you know, so those are kind of the more common options. Um, you know, it, there is the um, option of nesting as well, where you have an apartment and you go back and forth. So you're kind of sharing both a house and sharing an apartment with your ex. Um, as a way to have the kids be in the same space. But let's just talk a little bit about if you are moving out, either selling the house and both of you are finding new places to live um, and or one person staying in the house and the other person is moving out. In both cases, you're having to completely really reset your space. Um, I think one of the challenges is you know, our homes are so much a reflection of our identity, a sense of safety, a sense of security. Setting up a new home while you're in the middle of a divorce and you have kids can be a really challenging set of um, technical pieces and emotional pieces to work through. So what do you think people need to be aware of when they're starting to look into that particular situation? 
I think the first thing that you need to kind of be sensitive to is where you're at emotionally in terms of the divorce, because where you're starting point is can have a major impact upon all the other kind of decisions that you're making if you're in a position where um you know this has been coming for a while and it's like a big relief and like there's a lot of like oh finally then there's going to be a lot of joy in that process and a lot of um kind of actualization of potential oh wow i finally get my own space i finally can make my own decisions i'm finally free as opposed to a person who is kind of like resisting or um sad about it or still kind of in the like why does this have to happen and so they're going to have a lot harder time setting that up so just being aware of yourself and cutting yourself some slack whatever wherever you're at hey let's just get the perspective on this i'm not happy about this right i'm happy about this so that that will impact all the decisions i need to make being aware of your filter can at least help you navigate it in a better way as opposed to making unconscious decisions of like you know just completely oblivious to to your emotional state. I think this is one of the times during a divorce where people can start to use things for emotional revenge. Meaning because I'm upset with you because you hurt my feelings, I'm going to take that book you love. You know, like because I'm upset that the marriage is over or this isn't going the way that I want it to, I'm going to make sure that I get the artwork that came from, you know, your family. Like this is a real place where if emotionally you're not clear or resolved with certain things, you're going to have to negotiate a lot of minutia. And it's very easy for, you know, old hurts or old resentments to come out in how you negotiate splitting up stuff. Yeah, I think that that's a whole a whole rabbit hole to go down into. But I I feel like um, you know the the headspace of setting up a space is a different frame than how to uh, negotiate who gets what. Um, like there there are two, there's definitely overlap, but I feel like it's um it's worthy of its own entire own episode how to negotiate through your divorce. Now, we've mentioned previously just kind of some headlines of like focusing on the children as being, you know, on the ultimate, you know, that's the ultimate, what's best for them really is the best thing out of the relationship. But I feel, I feel like that's a, it's a black hole that we could sink into. Uh, what do you yeah, want? To I think it, it, it can be entirely another topic, but I think it definitely comes into like when you're literally the moving van is there and you're still trying to have it out with your ex about blanket that was given to you guys as a present. It, what I'm pointing to is that, you know, the pressure of moving out can be easily compounded by the unresolve in the relationship and trying to like, you know, feel better about something by taking stuff. So I, I think it's just a place to be aware of, especially if you're bringing up this idea of like being aware of your emotional state while you're in the process of moving. Um, and, and it can be this idea of like, I want my space to have my stuff. Um, but that can be very tricky. So, you know, in the end, it's better to regulate and navigate your feelings rather than have them get caught up in the process of moving. Um, look, it can be very scary, you know, going to find a space that works for you, you know, being, um, you know, parent of kids and you're suddenly like realizing, oh, I'm going to have to completely 
create a home again. That can be a very scary prospect. Yeah. And there's, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of skills that usually you get divided between spouses. You know, you have someone who's better at this, someone who's better at that. And it can be very, very challenging when you're setting up your new space now having to do it all. You know, one of you was the person who dealt with the bills, right? And so if you're the person who dealt with the bills, then great, you, you've you got that experience. You can still keep on dealing with the bills, but you were the one who didn't. Now you're going to have to set up internet and water and gas and deal with all these things that you may have never had to deal with before. It's exceptionally overwhelming emotionally right. as well as practically. And then the idea of having to, you know, get good at cooking if you weren't good at cooking or get good at laundry or get good at DIY, all the different skill sets that are often, uh, you know, joined together by a couple. Suddenly you're figuring out, oh, now I have to do all this by myself. Wow. I, I, I need, there's a big learning curve and it's many, many areas often. Yeah. And I think, again, it starts with the moving process itself. Right. So organizing movers, packing, you know, getting your stuff together, knowing what you need, right. Being able to think about, especially if you have kids, you don't want to move into a space and then they're with you and you don't have a bunch of the essentials that you need to just simply get them to school every day. So, you know, it already starts with planning ahead for the move itself. Right. What do you need to do in order to make the move happen? What are, like you said, the insurance parts of it, the lease parts of it, the mortgage parts of it, all of those types of things that maybe either you haven't handled before or you've always handled them, but it's always been in, in cooperation with somebody else. So there's, I think there's like, there's the moving experience, like the technical actual experience of moving. And then there's like setting up your space and then making it your own. So I think those are sort of the three parts to that that we can take a look at today. Could you um, say this again? Moving? I would say like the actual experience of moving itself, like finding a place and actually moving there, right? Because finding a place is a whole thing also. You need to be very clear about your goals. You need to be clear about what you want. Um, you may discover that, you know, the area you want to be in isn't available. So how do you navigate that, especially with schools for kids? So I would say finding a place and actually moving and then setting up your space and making it your own. Those are sort of the pieces of the puzzle that I thought we would dip into today. Got it. Okay. So move, finding a place and moving it. Where so, to begin? <laughs> Look, I, I think at any point in your life, if you're about to embark on a project that has to do with beginning again, you want to reevaluate what do you need? Who are you now? What do you need? And everything about moving, you know, they say location, location, location. Um, you know, where do you want to be and where do you need to be? in order for your kids, right? Some people make decisions to move to places where it's close enough to their ex that the kids can easily go back and forth on their own. Or if somebody forgets a toothbrush or forgets you know, a book for school, they can run over and grab it and not have to drive an hour across town. So, um, or some people opt to be closer to school, right? Maybe they've lived far away from school and they've gotten a place that's closer to school or closer to work. So I think well, location far, far is far away from their ex. You know, some people want to be an hour right. away from their ex. 
Right. They don't want to be in the neighborhood. They don't want to have people seeing what they're doing. They want to be in a different area, a different community, um, all of those things, um, you know, or they've met somebody um, that lives in a different part of town or lives in a different city. So how do you navigate that? Right. So I think figuring out where you're going to be is is sort of the first thing. And if you can really think that through um, from a calm place, that's super helpful because your kids will be living there too. So one of the questions is not just where I want to live, but where do I want my kids to live? And then and I, I would say, say, yeah, go ahead. I would say that kind of getting out on paper, all the different needs and wants in a really just vomiting all the ideas out there. So like, okay, right. I love this. I love that. I love this. I love this. And then once you've got it all on paper, you can make it. Now you can kind of prioritize it all and see, okay, what's something which is a, a high priority? What's something which is a low priority? Which what's a want? What's a need? And so once you have that in front of you, you can now make a much more educated decision, and you can immediately because having filters like when you're shopping for anything, having filters really just makes it so much simpler. Mm -hmm. right you 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 go from being overwhelmed by okay where do i there's like a million properties right now i can move into so suddenly oh there's four right okay now i can make a decision so right when i when i moved out with my kids because they were on the cusp of becoming teenagers and their opposite sex you know up until that time they'd been able to share a room so for me one of the most important you know there were certain things that were super important they needed to have a space where they could have their own rooms and because of the timing that we were moving out, we needed to be, I wanted them to be close, you know, very close to my ex to be able to go back and forth. And at the same time, to be very close to their friends um, in the neighborhood because we keep Shabbat and they needed that support system. So it right away just narrowed the options. Like those filters created a very, very small pool of possibilities. And then money obviously is the, is the number one filter. Right. right, knowing what your budget is, and that there are formulae for for that. Um, something like, I mean, once upon a time it was meant to be, I think, twenty five percent of your income, something like that. I think it's changed. Right. Um, now it's like eighty five percent of your income goes towards. Yeah, if you're in Toronto, mostly, yeah, uh, or New York. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I think figuring out, okay, so what's the space you need? What is the space you can afford? What is gonna? What is what are all of these rubrics that you need in order to be able to find the place that you want? And then you set up, you know, set up the system to be able to get that place, get the mortgage, get the rent, you know, all of the pieces of that puzzle. Um, hopefully you have some support to do that if you need it. Um, and then the actual moving process, which is figuring out, okay, what are you bringing from the house or the apartment that you used to live in together? into this new space. And again, with kids, this can be much more complicated because now you're going to have to think about doubles. I would just, right? uh, just, just one thing before you go there, just the timing, however long you think it's going to take, give yourself a longer runway than that because these things tend to encounter, you know, whenever you're dealing with property or, or anything like that, it, th this things, things come up, you know, things pop up that you don't expect. Uh, both for yourself and for your ex, just assume it's going to take longer than you want it to because it will, <laughs> and and it just it just calms yourself down knowing, and it's annoying, right? Don't get me wrong, it's frustrating and all the rest of it, but just just so that you have some good perspective, it's going to take longer than you want it to, and so with that in mind, it just lowers the temperature when things come up. Be like, oh, 
I knew it was going to take longer than I expected to. So this is par for the course. Yeah, I think this is part of a larger conversation also just related to timing of the entire divorce process, because there are going to be parts of that timing that are under your control, but there are going to be large parts of the timing of that process that are not within your sphere of influence because you're dealing with another person, because you're dealing with lawyers, because you're dealing with courts. There are always going to be parts of that divorce process that are not going to be on your timing. And the moving part of it, I think you're right, is is no exception because you're dealing with lots of other moving pieces that are other people with their timings. It's not necessarily going to be, okay, you're moving out at the end of the month. Like maybe <laughs> it depends on a lot of moving pieces. So you're right. Like not setting yourself moving up for disappointment depends and stress. On moving pieces. Um, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Um, okay. So like then when it comes, I think I was saying to the moving process itself, like starting to think about what does each space need in order for it to be maximally functional for you and for your family. Um, and I just, can I just put out there that there is a certain joy that I've found in not having to navigate another person's preferences and thought processes you know sometimes you know things can take a lot of time when you're married to like like to find the right carpet you know like well, but you want this and they want that and like finding that overlap can like this be sometimes really uh, arduous and there's a joy that comes from having the lack of that that i've experienced like ah oh, i can just see what i like and that's it i like it and i'm getting it and now don't get me wrong you have to take into account your children 100% and your budget, but there's a joy that comes from being able to navigate your space without having to include another person's um, influence. Yeah. And I and think shifting into that headspace is a process in itself because there's all kinds of emotions that I think you have to go through to get to that, which is part of the divorce itself, right? Like sad that you're going to be living on your own, you know, sad that everything is over, upset about things, angry about things. But you're right. Once you can get to a place of like, oh, wait a second, this is also a new beginning. This is also a chance for me to decide what do I want my space to be like? What do I like? What am I, you know, what's the vibe I'm looking for? Um, and for some people, I think that can be really scary also. Like, I don't know what I like. I don't know what I want my house to look like. I've never really thought about decorating or picking out furniture or I don't care so much about color. Um, so that can be very intimidating for people. So that's a good place to turn to your team, turn to your support crew, you know, try things out. But you're right, it can also be very freeing because you suddenly have the opportunity to create a space that feels and looks the way that supports you, the way that yeah. supports the, the feel and the vibe and the things that are important to you. Like our environment says something about what's important to us. It reminds me, we've touched upon this before in like some of the earlier episodes in terms of you know, discovering yourself through divorce, mm. um, getting to know yeah. yourself. Um, th this seemingly mundane activity is a really great opportunity for learning what you like. Yeah. Uh, you know, something as simple as like, if I, someone were to offer you, you know, three different um, dinners, 
right? I think most people would be pretty quick to be able to figure out which dinner they wanted, right? Like, I like this one the most, this one, this, these two are kind of similar, and this one, you know, not so much. So that kind of liking and not liking is actually, like, if you haven't experienced this, it's really part of who we are. It's It's a deep connection to self, being aware of what you like and what you don't like. And so discovering that through looking at different dining room chairs, right? Oh, I the, 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 the either extremes are kind of e easy. In other words, I know I don't like that. I know I, you know, I, I'm okay with that. And the, the stuff that you really like, that sometimes can be like, you know, a refining process, but it's mm -hmm. a fun process to try, you know, using Amazon as a way to get in touch with your soul. I know that's weird, but you really can, start to get to and, and at first time you're like i don't know i don't know what i want well start right. looking at things start going start noticing things when you're not paying attention like when you walk into someone's house you're like oh this is a really cool color house oh right. I, I didn't realize i like that color wow okay that's cool to know right i was sitting down in someone's chair oh is this really comfortable oh okay this is a chair that feels good for me so just noticing when you're not paying attention can sometimes help you to get more greater clarity and I think noticing that if you notice that you don't have preferences or you're really paralyzed in that place, it's just a, um, it's okay. It's, it's just sometimes an indication that um, maybe you've been people pleasing for a long time and haven't really paid attention so much to what you prefer and what you like. Um, maybe you yourself haven't taken your own Per, you know, preferences into account. So this is going to be a new process for you. So I just want to let people know if that suddenly seems very scary and intimidating and, and they're like what you're saying, like, oh, I don't know what I want. I have no clue what dinner I would pick. I would just usually say whatever you want, honey. Um, then, you know, to start to give yourself a little bit of room to, um, you know, it'll be a process and it'll take some time. Yeah. 100%. I can definitely relate to that. Um, and as you get better, as you do it more, you start to just be much clearer about what you like, and what you don't like. And, and also just give yourself time. Like if you allow the dust to settle, you can start to notice more, oh, this does work for me. This doesn't work for me because no one else is now around to, you know, push you one way or another. It's like, oh, I really like this. And, and like, just take take ideas that come up in your mind and just write them down. A new way of arranging your living room, a new way of arranging your your desk, whatever it is. Right. And just experiment, light experimentation is really a great mindset. Um, Just to try things out without committing allows yeah. you to see, oh, the, the, like, I don't have to commit to this new thing. I'm just going to try it out and see if it works for me. Now, sometimes that's impossible. You can't try out a new house, but you actually can a little bit in terms of, you know, if you don't want to buy, if you're not ready to buy it, why don't you try renting in the area? Why don't you try saying, you know what, right. I'm going to rent for a year because um, I don't know if I, I like this area or not. And rather than putting everything into a house, I'm just going to rent. That's a light experimentation in the realm of location. Yeah, I think a lot of people get really afraid to do that kind of thing, especially with kids. Like, oh, kids just like need a place. You got to move there and stay there and da, da 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 Like, but I also have friends who like pack their kids up 
and they go traveling for two years and they live in a different city every, every couple of months. Um, you know, and kids just their, their home experience is with you. It's not the space, it's the relationship. So, and it's your, and it's your ability to anchor them emotionally. Right. In other words, if you're, if you're anxious and, and depressed and, and not present, then it doesn't matter if you're in a permanent house. It, they're right. not. They're not going to feel. They're not going to feel safe. Where, right. where it's not the sameness of the space that makes them feel safe. It's the, it's the relationship and the, um, the emotional stability of the house. Mm-hmm. All right. So what's next? We we found a location. We've started to outfit it with some of our stuff. What uh? What other pieces do we need to put together here? So I guess really at this point it's. Um, you know, what does it mean to make a space your own when you've maybe not lived on your own for a long time? Maybe you've been married for five years, maybe 10 years, maybe 12 years, maybe 18 years, maybe 20 years. Um, so what is it, you know, what are some of the challenges that show up when you're suddenly faced with, oh, I'm going to be living by myself? Um, so I think one of the pieces is what we said, deciding what you want your space to look like, feel like, you know, where you want that to be. I think the other piece of that puzzle is reevaluating what would make this space work best for everybody. Um, what do my kids need right now? Um, and starting to think about building a home on your own, what are going to be some of the important things to that? You can also reevaluate traditions in your house. How do you do stuff, right? What are the things you do in the mornings? What's your system that works? All houses have systems. So what are your systems when you're living by yourself? What are your systems when your kids are with you? Echo um, Tuesdays, something right. as simple, something <laughs> as simple as that. Like, you know, I, on Sunday night, we have a barbecue. That's what, that's what I do in the summertime. Every Sunday night, the barbecue it's just a simple right. rhythm that that um helps me with my food planning um yeah. helps set the kids expectations uh it kind of just knows where everyone's at and so the same thing could be you know on wednesday nights we have family movie night you know little things that can build new traditions and build new vibes with your kids things like that come to mind when, when you're talking about the, the, you know, setting up the system of your house. Yeah. And also I think getting used to, I found, you know, one of the things that I'm, I'm still always sort of navigating is my week doesn't look the same every day anymore. Right. Meaning like, because my ex has my kids half the week and I have the kids half the week or like two, two, five or whatever your schedule or one week on one week off, my schedule for the days that I don't have the kids is different than the schedule that I have when I do have my kids. My timing's different. I'm taking them to school in the mornings. I'm, you know, the, like, so there's, it's just kind of starting to think about what would you like your day to look like and how can that work when you have your kids and how can it work when you don't? Because it can feel chaotic having different days all the time. Yeah, I, I would also throw in there that depending upon where you're at and depending upon what you've been used to, just know that you can get good at all of it. And it will take time for you to get good at, let's say, morning routine, right? Mm -hmm. Morning routines are a big challenge sometimes. 
you know, depending upon how many kids you have and how open they are to school and how what their ages are, getting them out the door in the morning can be just overwhelming to do as a single parent. And right. just know that you will get better at it all. Like you will find systems and grooves and like when you're doing something new for the first time, it takes a certain amount of emotional energy aside from the physical energy, right? It's not like, it's not just making breakfast. Mm -hmm. It's the emotional part of making breakfast, which the minute you're doing something, you know, 20 times that emotional content just goes down. It's, 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 it becomes habit. So all the things that are new are going to be overwhelming and hard and you're having to do it all at once. And it's no one really understands what single parenting is like other than single parents. It's a lot. Right. But, you know, beforehand, you as a as a parent, you know, you, you kind of go through these things together with with a spouse and like you adjust together and like there's like an adjustment period here. It's like suddenly you've got all these growing kids or however, however old they are. And they're all got their expectations of how things should be because they've had it that way for so long. And now you're kind of thrown into the deep end. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to navigate. So yes, you're going to, you're going to muck up. You're going to, you're going to have challenges and it's going to not be perfect, but know that you will acclimate and it will get easier and easier and easier as time goes on. So what were some of the things that you found like help your clients adjust to those to that learning curve what are some of the supportive things first of all drop drop everything that isn't essential mm, okay like sure. getting rid of all the extra and 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 almost happens automatically you just can't you just can't do everything that you once did um you know find finding finding the things that you need that are essential like for myself going for a walk every day was absolutely essential for me being a good father like it just regulated my system, made me feel healthy and good and all the rest of it. And so finding the essentials that you need allows you then to like have all the other areas function better. So just scaling back all the extra. So it's just the absolute necessary things because you're going to have to get those pieces right before you can then fill your day with everything else. Right relationships you know get refined right the ones that are not beneficial to you they they very quickly just disappear you just can't you just don't have the emotional room for it yeah. you become a lot more focused at like just having to keep your head above water and so what does that look like that means i can't hold on to these 12 other things that are pulling me down yeah i think for i i Moving by definition is a transitional state. And whenever you're going through a major transition, look, even if you've already not been together for a long time, moving is the is one of the milestones of the divorce process. And it's a huge transitional state. You're going from, you know, potentially sharing the same space to having your own space. And within transitional states, like Jewishly, we talk about transitional times often hold precariousness in them there's dangers why, why haven't you used the word liminal by now that's what i'm wondering because i'm like specifically trying not to use that word because <laughs> <laughs> it's a fallback <laughs> um would you like See, me to use is, that word instead this is the of, of our, all our podcasts this is the <laughs> the podcast to use the word liminal 
So please. Moving is by definition a liminal space. So um, which means you're in between, you're not there, you're not here and you're not there yet. And so it's it's filled with naturally uncertainty. It's filled with potentially explosive uh, emotions and it's filled with whatever feelings and thoughts you have when things are in transition, moving will be where all of that comes up. You know, if you're afraid of change, moving will be the worst part for you. Um, if you're afraid um, that you can't take care of yourself or support your family, moving will bring all of that to the fore. Right. So it's really, you know, the moving experience, even though technically it might be a day or two, um, the whole, you know, experience of it is, you know, the physical finality of the separation, as well as the transition from the old to the new. And so it's just inevitably going to have, a, it's going to be fraught with, with challenges, with feelings, with, um, you have to be very emotionally, um, radically caring for yourself in order to navigate that as best as possible. If you think Jewishly in terms of liminal space, just so that everyone has this kind of headspace here, you think of Jacob wrestling with the angel, right? He's all alone. He's crossing over from one side of the, of, of the bank of the river to the other side. He's all by himself. He's not. He's left Lavan's house. He hasn't yet arrived at his permanent place in in Israel. And there he's fighting with a, with a, with his demons, his inner demons. You know, that's kind of a liminal space. So the Jewish people in the desert, right? They've left Egypt. They haven't gotten yet to Israel. There are all these 10 trials they have to go through, all this quarreling, all this stuff that's happening. It's, it's a time of tremendous challenge and fear and being alone and there's just all this uh the ground beneath you isn't solid and so yeah. it's understandable that this is where it's going to be a really challenging part and just know that it will pass right. and know that you know it is okay to be in this state of chaos um, because it's part of the rebirth of who you're going to be yeah, I'm happy you said rebirth because I was just thinking, right? Like moving is the labor pains, um, you know, of the experience of divorce. Like you're talk about really liminal. Those... Talk about liminal space. The the, totally. the the labor labor is liminal space. It's the baby is like it's not in, it's not out. It's it's right. in between. Right. So really, the 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 time of transition of moving because maybe the relationship's been over for a while and that's been you know just dating but really the moving is okay now you're pushing through to the next level so it's not an easy time and I think giving yourself a lot of support you know one of the most important things when you're going through labor is, is breathe right like remember that just because it's um, intense it doesn't mean it's dangerous just because it's you know painful in moments doesn't mean it's um, unsafe it's just a really challenging time. So giving yourself enough time. Just remember what Ariana Grande said. Just keep breathing and breathing and <laughs> breathing and breathing. You should know. I remember the first I guess we're still going to have to make a playlist. <laughs> we'll make a moving playlist. The um, <laughs> the first part of my divorce, that was literally like, I was I was just like, just how, how are you doing today? Well, I'm breathing. Like right. that was all I could do. I could just breathe. And just yeah. doing that was 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 big, um. So yeah, just keep breathing, um. Yeah. yeah, it's it's a lot. Moving is a lot, and there's so many different pieces to juggle. But just having in mind that you, 
you know, this hardness will not last forever. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I, I think also it brings me to one of the things that I say with my clients a lot, which is the work, there's the work you do before the work you do during and the work you do after. And I think the more complete your planning is before will make the work that you have to do during, which is navigating the emotional um, separation, supporting your kids, dealing with a lot of in the moment crises, um, that gets easier the more planning you've done beforehand. And then the work you do after is, like you said, allowing the dust to settle and really being able to start to create a space that's supportive for you for this next part of your life going forward. And just saying that having having someone like a therapist or a coach um, that can hold your hand throughout it definitely makes it a, an easier journey. Having that emotional support really does mean a lot. And someone who's been there before, like I said, like a divorce coach has gone through it and can really hold your hand in a way that is really supportive and, and help you to make those plans and help to make those visions. So, uh, you know, feel free to reach out to us. If you're going through a rough patch or a challenging move, we will be more than happy to help you out. Awesome. All right. Um, I think that's it for today. Uh, anything else? Did we forget anything? Hmm. I'm sure we've got a lot and um, we'll put it in the liner notes. <laughs> okay. So. Sounds good. As always, we want to hear from you. Um, thank you so much for all of your feedback. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and share. Please leave share. us a rating um, because we would love to be able to be there for anyone who's looking for this kind of resource while they're in the process. Um, please check the liner notes for all of the ways that you can connect with either Devin or myself. Um, and I think that's it for today. Thanks, everyone, for joining. Thanks, Devin. See you, everyone. Bye, Ali. Thanks for joining us. If you have an idea for an episode or a question for either David or myself, don't hesitate to reach out or you can leave us a voice message. The link for that is in the liner notes. If you think you know someone who could benefit from any of our information, ideas, tools, or conversations, please go ahead and share this podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on whatever podcast app you're using. And please leave us a rating and a review so anyone who is trying to find us can do so more easily. Remember, you're not alone. You got this. And we're all working together to get transformed. Bye for now.